Holy Gospel for this, the first Sunday in the season of Christmas, was from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. Now every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Most holy God, we thank you for a beautiful day, for this opportunity to be together in worship, to unite around the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of communion. We thank you for your spirit stirring in our midst, the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of kindness and compassion, justice and peace. Fill us, O Lord, with that spirit this day that we might carry this worship service into the week and into the year ahead. In Jesus' holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. Well, today's gospel lesson is, as you heard, a story about Jesus and his parents making a very significant pilgrimage from Nazareth in the north of Israel all the way down to Jerusalem. 60-mile trip, walking. They would make this trip every year for the great religious festival of Passover. In fact, not just Jesus and his parents, but there would be thousands and thousands of people from all over Israel who would converge on Jerusalem during this religious festival. The population of the city would quadruple. Can you imagine the population of Seattle quadrupling because of a religious festival? <laughs> so you've got people from all over the country coming together because the religious festival was a kind of binding force that held the whole country together. It was very, very important. In fact, I'm going to do an aside. You know what an aside is? Okay, so that's where you step out of what you're talking about to give another little speech. So, every society, every culture has a binding force that holds the society together, that everyone in the society has in common. Usually, a society, a country, a nation will then build its biggest public spaces around that binding force. The Colosseum in Rome. I ask you today, 
What is it in our society that has the largest capacity for an audience to gather? <laughs> of course. It is a kind of binding force in our society where all people can connect, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, religious or non-religious. That was the kind of force that bound people together for this religious pilgrimage. They didn't have sports stadiums to bind themselves together. They had the temple and this religious place for people to go. And again, tens of thousands of people would be present. If indeed this was Jesus' first trip to Jerusalem, and I think it maybe was, I think his parents understood that at age 12, you are getting to that stage in life where you're starting to ask the big questions, meaning questions. You're starting to leave your childhood, black and white childhood stories behind and move into more sophisticated, more nuanced questions about life and death, about whether or not God exists, what happens after death, what is God's purpose in my life? Those are the kind of questions I think Jesus was starting to ask when his parents brought him to Jerusalem. If this was his first trip, he would have been absolutely astounded by the city. He's coming from a little town and going to the big city. The temple itself, by all descriptions, was five or six stories high covered in white marble, gilded with pure gold. You could see it from miles away. And there was a platform that surrounded the temple, acres in size, enough for tens of thousands of people to surround the temple. Jerusalem devoted 25% of their entire city to the temple complex. Again, could you imagine Seattle devoting 25% of the city land to a religious complex? Not even sports stadiums get that much. That's where they were gathered. And at that gathering, there would have been rabbis and teachers off in the corners. And they would be teaching the pilgrims about the faith. And Jesus gravitated to those people because they took seriously a 12-year-old's question. Do you remember 12, 13 years of age? Those of you who are older than that. It's about the time you start asking those big questions. I remember. I was just starting confirmation, 12 years old. I went to the pastor with my sincere question. He did not take me seriously. Here's the question. Pastor. And pastor, you know, he's big, tall, gray hair, gray beard. They all looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> pastor, is there a place up above the clouds where people go after they die and get a harp? And sing. I hated singing. <laughs> I just started taking science classes about the universe. And 
the pastor's response to a 12-year-old's fairly sincere question was, oh yes, there is. And 12 years old, I pretty much bagged church for years because he did not take me seriously. I think Jesus went to the temple, sat with those religious leaders with similar kinds of questions, and they took him seriously. So much so that he stayed with them for three days in this place of respect, in this place where people treated him with openness. I am here to say to you today that our church takes very seriously the questions of our 12 and 13 year olds. We have created a program that you know as confirmation where that happens year by year by year. Our confirmation program is three years long and it has three big goals. One, to teach our young people about the Bible, about God's love, about the Ten Commandments, about the Apostles' Creed. We teach them what God's love is like. The second big thing we do is we listen to their questions. We try to honor who they are. And third, the third thing we do is we put them in small groups with an adult mentor who goes with them for those three years. The same small group meets together every Wednesday night during the program year for three years. They get to know each other very well. And every time a mentor, an adult mentor, is finished with the three-year commitment, they say to us, I learned more than I ever taught. I think it is a sign of the kingdom, of God's intention. Because when I observe our confirmation program, what I observe as the most profound and wonderful part of the program is that these young people are not just learning about God's love. They are experiencing God's love. And there's a difference there. And I think that's what the Bible is all about. If you read the Bible very carefully, God is not wanting us to learn doctrine or to memorize things. God is wanting us to create a community of grace and compassion and love. That's why he chose Israel. Israel as the most insignificant of people. He chose them basically to say, okay, you guys are just really ordinary people, but I'm going to fashion you into a community, into a big, small group where you can care about each other and you can love the world around you and the whole world is going to look at you and go, that's the way we should organize our country too. We're going to be a country where peace and justice and the Ten Commandments are at the center. I see that happening in our confirmation program with those small groups. We have junior high kids coming from sometimes 10 different junior highs. They don't really know each other. They come from different places. They all come together here. They connect with their adult mentor. They go together for three years. And it is one place in their lives where they don't have to compete. If you ever look at a junior high person's schedule, it is pure competition. Our young people compete in sports. They compete for grades. They compete to be on the school play. They compete in music. 
I'm not saying com- competition is bad, but if you base your self-esteem on competition, there's always going to be someone up higher than you. We compete on our social media platforms. They're all about competition. We compete for friends. We compete for looks. You come to Holy Spirit Lutheran Church and you become part of that confirmation program in a small group and you are in a non-competition zone. (laughs) There is one place in your life where you don't have to be above or below. You're just who you are. You are experiencing God's good grace in that moment. And it feels good. It feels good to have such a place. And I think that's what Jesus felt in the temple with those adults who gave him some time. It felt good. It felt right. It felt honorable. And he took it to himself. He absorbed it. We've got to remember that Jesus, when he was born a baby, didn't have everything in his head. He grew in faith. We sometimes think, oh, Jesus, age 12, well, he's smarter than the rabbis. No, he's a 12-year-old. He's a kid trying to learn what it means to be an adult, and in that critical moment of life, he met these people who respected him and somehow planted a seed of gospel grace in Jesus that he took with him when he returned to Nazareth, and that seed of God's grace began to grow and blossom and became the ministry that we read about when he became an adult, a ministry that was inclusive, where all people who were on the edges of society were now part of it. He created a non-competitive kingdom where everybody could be present. It is the very purpose of our congregation to raise our children and plant the same seed as those religious leaders did. We are here to teach our young people, but to also show them God's love. Now, a moment ago, this little one was baptized and God came down and touched her life. But you folks also made a promise. And I want to remind you of that promise. You promised to raise her in faithfulness and teach her the ways of God. But more importantly than that, you promised her to show her what God's love is like. We are to be a congregation, not just about teaching, not just about doctrine, but being a community, an example to the world around us. To be a, quote, chosen people, a very ordinary folks who can love one another and be an example to a fragmented, to a hate-filled world, we can be different. Right? Right, kiddo? Yeah? All right, Hannah Rose, we promise you to raise you in faith. Don't cry about it. It's okay. (laughs) All right. Look at her hands, everybody. Let's pray. Most holy God, I got to time the prayer right. We just got our hands like that. We thank you for Hannah Rose. We thank you for the privilege we have of being able to raise our children in faith. We pray for all the 12 and 13-year-olds in their big questions and ask your blessing upon them and upon us as we show them God's love. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry.